with you this morning as we continue talking about bringing down our personal um, our personal Jerichos, winning great victories that you never thought you would win. Amen. Canada knows about this. We are going NBA. It's happening. Um. <coughs> Uh, yeah, Saturday night was a little quieter than it usually is. Um, uh, with all that is taking place, we, uh, but this is a most important battle that is taking place. And we're looking at the story of Joshua. First week, I talked to you and I explained that the more you stare at the problem, the bigger the walls become. But the truth is, that the more you stare at the glory of Jesus Christ, the smaller the problem becomes. And that our spiritual stance when we face obstacles in our journey, our spiritual stance has to be that we need to have a fresh vision of how big God is. You might think the problems with leadership, Moses, so he's such a bad leader, he's such this, he's not doing this, he can barely string a sentence together at times. Or you might think, well, the problems with the people, look at the people, all those people moaning and groaning and grumbling. It may be that the problem is that they are a slave generation because they spent 400 years in slavery under the Egyptians. That's the problem. They've got to get their brains right. They've got to get their mentality right. They need a bit of positive thinking. No, the problem is that we need a fresh vision of God in our lives when we're facing obstacles. We need a fresh vision of God's power and God's presence. And when we we look at the mountain, we can forget the maker of the mountain that you're following. You need to keep your eyes fixed on the maker, not on the mountain. And then we need to remember from the story of Rahab that God has a plan. And the plan always starts with a promise. And God is always into promises. He's promised you so much. He's promised you eternal life. He's promised you the power of the Holy Spirit. He's promised to listen to your prayers. He's promised that you can go into the holy holies of the presence of God and you can know him. We are a people of promise. You and I are a people of God's great promise of redemption. And the greatest promise is that when you lie in the grave, one day the trumpet will sound and we will rise and live forever. That is the promise. We are people of promise. So we have to get on the plan. Rahab was willing to get in the plan. She was willing to be obedient. She was willing to trust. She was willing to step into this. She was not willing to allow fear to grab hold of her life. But we've got to decide. But the most important component in this story as well is the sense of God's mighty presence that was at work. God's mighty presence. And I want to talk for a short while this morning about a holy exercise. That when you face an obstacle in your life, this is a holy exercise of whereby you can fight and take your ground by bringing the very presence of God into your life situation, the presence of God into that problem, the very glory of God's presence into into your difficulty, the presence of God. And in the story of the first few chapters of Joshua, we see a reference to the Ark of the Covenant. 
We have the instructions, of course. Now, the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with it, the king and its fighting men. A promise before it even happened. I want to remind you that often when you're in the intimate place of prayer, God gives you an assurance that God's already done it before it's already happened. And when you receive that assurance, it is the most beautiful experience of knowing intimacy with Christ. When you hear that whisper, you know that he is the vine, you are the branches, and you are connected to him. You know, as Jesus taught, that the kingdom of God is within you. And the problem is that so many Christians don't believe that the kingdom of God is within them. And they believe that somehow God's out there. But you know what? The kingdom, his presence is right with you where you are at right now. He's right with us. Even when you're facing your Jericho, even when you're facing those problems, even when you're facing those difficulties, he is right with you. But you notice that he gave him some quite interesting instructions. You can imagine, in chapter 3, it talks about that they were at Shittim, and as they were there, they were getting ready to make a move. And as they got ready to make a move, you can almost hear the anticipation. Oh, yes, we're ready to do this. We're ready to make the move. We're ready to move forward. Let's get the army together. Let's get the Ark of the Covenant ready. Let's get the priests. And you can imagine the generals coming to Joshua saying, now, how are we, first of all, going to deal with the mighty River Jordan in spring flood? And secondly, we've been thinking about the strategy of how we're going to take Jericho. Now, there's a number of ways we can approach this. They all gathered around. Maybe what we could do, and these were ancient techniques, first of all, we could dig a tunnel under the walls and find a way to get in and to dug, dig underneath. Jericho has many tributaries. In fact, we know later on that, um, that uh, Jerusalem itself was conquered from the Jebusites as David followed uh, water systems to get in the city and to c- conquer the city. Jericho was an oasis city. We can get into the water, we can get into the tributaries, we can find our way through, and we can get into the city. Plan number one. Plan number two, well, we can lay siege. We, you know, this was an ancient way. We'll starve them. Problem with that is that they had water and they had uh, substance and they were able to grow things and they, had, they would take a long time. Number three, well, the Babylonians loved this approach. The Babylonians would chop down every tree in the region, every olive tree, every tree. They would grab all of this wood and they would drag it to the city and then they would put it against the uh, walls and all around the gates and they would set fire and they would create the biggest bonfire you can imagine to start to crack the walls, burn down the, uh, the gates and And often in excavations of great sieges, they were stunned because they would find little olive pips everywhere. And they're thinking, what were they doing these olive pips? Were they like like using them as pip? 
weapons? No. They were burning olive trees to burn the walls, to crack the mud, to break their ways through into the city. Well, Joshua, we could do this. So these are our top three ideas. We've worked it. We've done creative thinking. We've worked at this. We've got the whiteboards out. And this is how we want to approach it. And Joshua said, well, actually, guys, I've got a plan. God's told me what to do. Okay, what's the plan? I'm going to send the priests in first. What, the guys in the long dresses? The, the priests. Yes, I'm going to send the priests in with uh, ram's horns. Oh, very exciting. That one goes, boop. That's going to terrify them. And I'm going to put the Ark of the Covenant, oh, okay, in the front of this. And I, you're not going to use the stormtroopers. No. You're not going to use the SAS. Uh, no. You're not going to use the Green Berets. No. You're not going to use our formidable fighting force that has defeated a number of mighty kingdoms. No. I'm going to use the presence of God to bring down the problem and the wall. I'm going to follow God's instructions because when you do it God's way, then God will come through for you. And when you face an obstacle, what you have to be willing to say is this, do I want the presence of God right in the middle of this obstacle? Do I realize that my battle is not against flesh and blood and against, against people and against organization, even against walls, but our battle is against principalities and powers of this dark world? Just as Mark taught and spoke about uh, the time when they couldn't cast a, a spirit out of a boy and the disciples were failing miserably. Jesus came along and said, these kind of moments can only change through prayer. And in other gospels, it says through prayer and fasting. You see, very often, your amazing good looks may not solve the problem. Your amazing ability to rational and to think in knowledge and your ability may not solve the problem. Your incredible, incredible wisdom that you have and, and so on may not solve the problem because this problem is not just a worldly problem. Sometimes we face spiritual problems that seem impossible and these things can only be changed, can only be broken by bringing the presence of the glory of God right in the situation. Because when God's in the plan, things change. Maybe you've been trying to do it on your own. Maybe you've been working your thinking hat. You've been working the problem from one way to another. But really what you have to do is start to seek God's presence again in your life. Seek God's presence to know his strength. And the answer to this story was the Ark of the Covenant. This glorious box that lived in the tabernacle. It was, it was this box that was about a meter and a half long. About half a meter wide that was covered in gold. The gold today would have been worth $1.3 million. No wonder everybody wanted to capture Jerusalem. It had, it had uh, two uh, poles either side. It had a uh, uh, 
cherubims on top. And it would sit. You couldn't even look at this. It was holy. It was glorious. It had the Ten Commandments within it. It had Aaron's rod in it. It had the manna that never, never rotted because the presence of God dwelt in it. And when you understood that the power of Israel did not come through their knowledge and their wisdom, the power of Israel came through the promise and the presence that God was with them by day, by cloud, and by night, by fire. And what will get you through every obstacle, every battle, every problem in your life is the presence of God within your life. Every believer here has something remarkable. You have a tabernacle within you and Christ dwells within you. And we have to remind ourselves, what do I need to cope with this problem at work? What do I need to change my marriage? What do I need to see a breakthrough in my business? What do I need to happen in that family relationship that is falling to pieces? What you need is the power and the presence of Jesus to come and to change your life, to change your heart, and to change your mind. And the ark was this presence. I mean, you couldn't even get close to it. If you wanted to move the ark, you had to like cover it over in animal skin and soft leather. I mean, equivalent today, you'd have to get bubble wrap. Yeah. Um, You had to get bubble wrap. And, and carry it. You couldn't even look at it. Because if you looked at the glory and the holiness and the presence of God, whoa, of this, this where God was, we know this because of the great theological uh, statement, that great theological uh, expression of the truth of this scripture from Indiana Jones. We know this. At the end of that film, you remember? They wanted to capture the Ark of the Covenant. And all the Germans were around. I'm sorry if you're German. And they found it in Egypt and they went to open it. And suddenly great light came out and they were all fried alive. (laughs) Steven Spielberg, who of course is Jewish, knew exactly what he was talking about. This was the the most dangerous weapon he could think of. The most wanted relic in the ancient world. The most deadly item because... Cities fell with it. Armies were defeated with it. Gods who were in temples fell over to it. People ended up having boils and dying because of it. Because you can't mess with the power and the presence of God. All you can do is follow the presence of God. You had to be careful with it. They had to march... Away from it. And they had to watch it. And as we know, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing. So they set out, this is it. They're ready. They're going to come to the Jordan. And after three days, the officers went throughout the camp. I've always wondered about that. Three days. You can't help but even think of three days of Jesus in the tomb. But I think I might be stretching it there. But do you know the one thing that I can 
say is often before a great victory and often before a great breakthrough and often before our prayers are answered, God often asks us to sit for days to wait for him to make the next move. Because that waiting is so important in the Christian life. I just want to get to the end game. Just fast forward it to the walls crumbling. I haven't even got to that part yet. We're on point session three. I think there's six of these. We haven't even got to that point yet. But there is something profound in the Christian walk about waiting on the Lord, even though you know the Lord has told you to do something. But his voice and the reality of it need to catch up. And we need to learn to spend that time patiently waiting for the Lord to do what is on our hearts. And we're not very good at waiting for the Lord, are we? We're not very good at waiting Give orders to the people when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and uh, Levitical priest carrying it. You are to move out from your position and always follow it. Always follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits. Now, you all know what a cubit is, don't you? Good. Let me put it into Canadian. But keep a distance of about 900 meters. That's a long way. Let's round it up. Let's keep a distance about a kilometer. Because you don't want to get close to that ark. Because that's the glory and the presence of God. And they're going to do the impossible. They're going to cross the Jordan in the spring floods. And they are going to walk into that Jordan. And because of the presence of God, the Jordan's going to be held back once again. And God is going to move and work. We mustn't be afraid of the holiness of God. As in, I want to avoid this. Because there is something profound about the holiness of God like Isaiah experienced when he was in that place of worship and he was in that holy moment. Suddenly he encountered Christ and he received a calling. And the cherubim flew down and touched his lips with a coal and purified him. And the Lord sent him on a mission. And if we are ever to be a people of mission... We need to know the intimacy and closeness of God touching our lives and longing to know. I know this scripture, when I was first converted, I'd read it again and again. I'd think about it because all I wanted was God to touch my lips. And I wanted for him to use me in a people of unclean lips and a people that had fallen. I just wanted God's touch of his Holy Spirit, his power, his presence, his holiness, because I know when I touch his presence, my life is transformed. How hungry are you, am I, to touch the presence of God in our lives? 
The average Christian, and I generalize, not in our church, but across, kind of when you talk about holiness, they kind of, oh, I don't, I don't do holiness really very well. I'm not very, you know, holiness is for nuns and monks and vicars and pastors. Holiness is for those, I can't, holiness isn't, it's a hard thing. Holiness is remarkable because, well, how I understand holiness in my life is this, that as I touch his holiness and allow his holiness to change me, I want, I know that I go, that really holiness means wholeness. Can I say that again? Holiness means wholeness. It means that I don't run away from my weaknesses, my lust, my anger, my jealousy, my insecurity. I don't run away from my damage and my negative language. I don't run away from the conscious mind of my own madness that I think about things and I, I, I battle in areas. I allow the wholeness of, holiness of God to come into my life. And when I'm with him in the holy place, with my weakness and my brokenness, he ministers to me. He tells me what strongholds need to tumble down. He tells me what lies that I believe need to be broken. He tells me what personal vows I've made that are ridiculous and not in line with the kingdom of God. He tells me. And when I'm in that place of intimate prayer, what if I didn't even open my eyes? That I want to know his presence. He comes and he reverses the lies. He comes. He takes away the, the self-inflicted wounds. And he comes and he makes me holy. And when I'm holy, he makes me whole. That's sanctification. He changes me. And when you've been touched by the presence of God, you will never be the same again. You'll never be the same again. When you really know that presence and the doorposts have shaken and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You know, for some of us as Christians, we only need a glimpse of the King and it changes everything. Just that. To glimpse him again in all his glory. Maybe that's a dangerous prayer you should pray and I should pray. Show me your glory. Give me a glimpse. One of our elders, um, his wife died. She was a terrific prayer warrior, great friend. She'd battled and battled with cancer for twice. And the Lord told her not to take treatment. And you know the story. But what struck me about her story, and I had the honor of speaking at the funeral as a guest for Kima, was this one statement that struck me. It's amazing. 
full of anxiety and full of fear. But then suddenly, one day, she got a glimpse of the glory of heaven. And it changed everything. The ark's over there. Let me have a glimpse. Let me glimpse it, Lord. Let me glimpse it and know it in my life. Let me see it. Holiness is wholeness. I, and when, I'm, when I'm, I'm dressed and I'm, 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 I'm clothed in righteousness, I'm clothed in his glory, I'm clothed in the robes of righteousness, and that he no longer sees me, but he sees Jesus. And I'm in this glorious... You know, I imagine myself in this glorious white gown. Yeah, okay. Uh, But, you know, glorious. And I I go out into the world and there's mud puddles everywhere. And there's, you know, and I don't, I can't, I don't rush out and jump into the garbage and get all that, that, uh, that I'm wearing filthy. I'm careful to avoid and step around things. And to avoid the unholiness. And to avoid the wrong. Because I'm so aware that he has clothed me in righteousness. I, don't, I want to avoid having a bad attitude here. I want to avoid the anger. I want to avoid the resentment. I want to avoid the simmering hatred. I want to avoid, I want to find an answer. Because what, what the, his holiness is so beautiful in my life. And it makes me the man of God that I'm supposed to be. I'm not, you know, as teenagers, we used to say, well, how far can, you know, where is the line? I want to be holy, but I want to get as close as I can to unholiness because that's where good times are. Maybe that's the English boys do that. Can I, can I just be a little bit like this over the line? No, 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 no. I don't want to be on a line. I want to be in the presence of God. Where he transforms me. I want to be in the presence of God where he moves and works. I want to be touched. My lips touch and my guilt is taken away. I want him to mold me. I want him to shape me. I want him to lead me. For as the psalmist said, for you are not a God who is pleased with wickedness. With you, evil people are not welcome. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies. The bloodthirsty, deceitful, deceitful you. Lord detests. But I, by your great love, can come into your house. Wow. In reverence, I bow down towards your holy temple. Be holy as I am holy. I'm not talking about works. I'm talking about finding the presence of God in your life and following the ark and putting God as number one. So I'm going to finish with four bits of advice. Four bits of advice in five minutes. 
and you'll see the first miracle of the day. One, when I'm in the middle of a battle and I'm in the middle of a problem, maybe what I need to do is to visualize God in the line with you. He's right there next to you. You're facing that problem, that illness. You're facing that problem that when you sit in that waiting room, in that doctor's room, I want to remind you that Jesus is right there with you. I want to remind you that when you go into that difficult meeting of negotiations, he's right there with you. I want to remind you that when you face the battles of life, he is right there with you. And sometimes we've got to luck and remind ourselves that he that is in us is greater than he that's in the world. If I'm looking for a breakthrough in problems and difficulties, I want to put God in his proper place. So often, we come to God as a last resort. We come to God when we've been absolutely crushed. We come to God at those difficult times, but there is something about Jesus not being just our constitutional Lord that has no power, but being our functional Lord, that he is Lord of our lives. And in every area of our lives, we say, Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, you can't utter those words without the power of the Holy Spirit. If you can utter, Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus Christ is Lord, and you can do that, without a shadow of a doubt, then you know that you are speaking those words only by the power of the Holy Spirit, Scripture says. And sometimes you've got to look at that problem and bring the Lordship of Christ. In fact, all times you have to bring the Lordship of Christ into that problem. You've got to see that your home is as holy as the church. What do I mean by that? Don't be dualistic. If you're you're battling with your kids and they're out of the house, you turn their bedroom into a beautiful prayer sanctum where you pray the presence of God to into their lives. You make the place where you are a presence, a dwelling for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You don't be one thing here and another thing here. You live and I live with the presence of God in every area of our lives. You recognize that victory often follows holiness. Another word for holiness here, I could say, is consecration. Handing it over. Say if you've got a massive problem with a difficulty that you're trying to work your way through and it's complex and it's hurtful and it's difficult. I don't know what that problem is. It could be a whole range of things. But you sit down, maybe 
You're running a business and, and you've got employees that are difficult and you've taken over and it's tough and it's hard. Maybe what you need to do is sit down and take an inventory of all the things that hurt you, all the things that offend you, all the things that create anger in you, the comment, comments that you keep running around your head, the attitudes and the anger and everything that you utterly feel honestly in confession and make your own inventory card and then bring that inventory card to your knees and say, Lord, I confess all of what I feel and I consecrate myself and I choose the way of love. I choose the way of blessing. I choose the way of the presence of God. And I consecrate myself like in the times of Hezekiah. Assyrians were coming. It was an impossibility. They were going to be lost. The battle was happening. It's going to take place. And this battle is taking place. And what do they do? They consecrate themselves. And Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, cried out in prayer to heaven about this. They'd consecrated themselves. They'd done the spiritual work. And then the the Lord sent an angel who annihilated all the fighting men and the commanders in the camp. In our prayer life, when we're dealing with battles, it's so important to consecrate ourselves to God. And to bring the problems and to do the work to do the prayer and to step into it and allow God to move me and for us to say search me God and know my heart test me and know my anxious thoughts see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting Search me. Know my thoughts. I bring them to you, Lord. I want to go deeper with you to see the obstacle come down. The beautiful thing is this. You are a living tabernacle. And the presence of God dwells within each one of you. Hallelujah. To allow the presence to consume you. Allow the presence to meet with you. And you might be surprised what walls come tumbling down in your situation. Holiness makes us whole and gives us spiritual authority over those battles in our life. Amen? And in our final song, maybe what you can do is reach out in holiness. Reach out for a fresh vision. Reach out. You don't have to search for the ark anymore. There's lots of theories where it is. Oh, you just go on the internet. It's amazing. It is amazing. It's, uh, you know, uh, Maccabean writing said it was buried by Jeremiah, Mount Nabor. The Ethiopians have wrapped it all up. They've got it in Ethiopia. 
And even the French got in on it, and it was taken by the Templars to southern France. Of course it was. And even the Irish. It went to Ireland, and then it went to America. Of course it did. I don't. But you see, I don't need to find the ark because I have the presence of God in me. So treat it well. Steward the presence in your life. Let's stand together. Lord, as we come to the end of this gathering, and in our final song, we pray that there may be a holy moment for each one here where we re see again the glory of God that is in our life. See again the presence of God in our walk. Lord, I pray for everyone in this building right now that is battling with sickness and fighting a disease and a battling I pray that in these final moments, Lord, that you will come with your presence and your holy presence will rest on them in Jesus' name. I pray for every family conflict that is present, that God, the presence of God will come and bring healing and restoration. I pray for everyone that battles, Lord, with with grief and with pain. I pray that you will help us to find even the blessing in the pain of our mourning. I pray, Lord Jesus, for those that are facing stress at work and stress in business and stress wherever and anxiety, I pray that the presence of the Holy Spirit will come and rest on us and that we'll find that freedom in our lives. Whatever is represented here, Lord, We invite you into our Jerichos, into our obstacles, into our problems, in the name of Christ. Come Holy Spirit. Amen. Maybe you feel you need prayer this morning on on this final song. Don't hesitate. Come forward and stand. We've got a lot of elders in the house and pastors and prayer team people are here to pray with you just come and stand and people will join you and agree with you this morning if you need prayer